0: Hi, Rockbrook. Good morning. Hope you've been uh, enjoying this series as much as I have. Today is part five of a blueprint for making faith work in the book of James. So far, we've spent uh, the first two sermons on James chapter one, second uh, two sermons on James chapter two. Uh, We've talked about how to deal with trials and temptations, how to actually be a Christian and do good works and still maintain this lifestyle of grace how to make the right decisions when it comes to prejudice and discrimination. And uh, we'd love for you to be caught up on that and hope you've been enjoying it. As I said, let me tell you about the last week of this series, the ninth week of this nine-part series, August 20th and 21st, we will have a guest preacher, Pastor Buddy Owens. Many of you know Buddy. Uh, Many of our small groups have done curriculum uh, that he's written and recorded. Uh, he's the teaching, a teaching pastor at Saddleback Church in Southern California. He's the author of Finding God in the Desert of the Soul, The Way of the Worshipper, and he's the general editor of the NIV Worship Bible. And a few months ago, Pastor Kelly asked him to come and close out this uh, series in James for us, preach on a specific passage, uh, even a specific message Pastor Buddy has that's been really impactful in Pastor Kelly's life. Uh, so you won't want to miss that. Today we turn the page to James chapter 3, which is one of the most, if not the most sobering passages in the book of James. The heading in your Bible probably says something like taming the tongue, and that's the title of today's message, taming the tongue. Uh, So let's just read this whole section we're going to cover today at once, and then we'll march through it little by little. I'll read it. You can follow along on your Outline or on the screen or in your Bible, James 3, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I'm going to push pause real quick here because we're not going to come back to this verse, and I just want to stop and say I'm so thankful for our senior pastor because he has set an example in his preaching that he's careful and thoughtful with his words. And he takes the privilege of being a teacher, of being a preacher, an instructor, a corrector, a pastor so seriously. And he handles the word of God with integrity. And in a day and age where, good grief, it just seems like everybody wants their voice amplified. Everybody wants to be loud. Everybody wants a platform. Everybody wants more influence. Everybody wants to be the center of attention. Everybody wants to host their thing and have their agenda at the forefront and their voice at the forefront. He is gracious with his influence and continually uses it to point us to the word of God. And I'm thankful for that and I honor him for that today as we look at that verse. All right, let's move on. Verse two, we all stumble in many ways Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James talks more about the tongue, more about the mouth, more about what we say than any other writer in the New Testament. And every chapter in the book of James has something to say about the way we talk. This particular passage that we just read is the longest discourse in the Bible regarding what we say, because James knows that unless we have a living encounter with the Word of God, the tongue will never be tamed, because our tongues run wild, our mouths run wild. It just seems like my mouth runs way out ahead of me sometimes. And it's like, it, I'll be saying something and think, what, why am I saying this? What, what business do I have saying this? It's like, the, the second it comes out of my mouth, I just want to grab it and put it back in and stop myself, but it runs wild. We can't tame it. This is why James says, if you can control your mouth, you're perfect. Look at verse 2 again. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, perfect here doesn't mean sinless, the word for perfection in the Greek would mean mature or healthy. It's like when you go to the doctor and you tell the doctor you're not feeling well, one of the things the doctor's going to do is ask you to stick out your tongue because it's going it's to reveal kind of what's going on on the inside. And the same is true spiritually. The tongue lets us know what's going on spiritually in our lives. So why must I watch what I say? James gives us three reasons why what we say is so important And he gives us six illustrations, two for each of the points. Write this in. Number one, my tongue directs where I go. It has tremendous influence and control over my life. We shape our words, and then our words turn around and shape us. And James says that even though the tongue is small, even though it's tiny, we think it's insignificant. But even though it's small and tiny, it's powerful, it's significant. The tongue is so interesting. Did you know that the chameleon's tongue, the chameleon's tongue is twice the size of its body? The blue whale's tongue weighs as much as a Ford truck. You think he's got a problem with it? I think he does. I think right now the blue whale's out there offending somebody. Hey, dolphin, yo mama, he's got a problem with the tongue. How do you tame a tongue that large? Our tongue is so small, but it has tremendous power. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So when you watch a horse race, you got a big horse and it's, it's in the gates and you just see so much kinetic energy and so much power there. And that's where we get the term horsepower because you've got a huge 1,000 pound, 1,100 pound, 1,200 pound stallion. And, and on its back, you have a 95 pound jockey. And the jockey can control the horse because of this five-inch piece of metal that's strategically placed over the horse's tongue. And even though the horse is powerful and it can go so fast and it can go so far and it can, it can pull a plow or it can pull a wagon full of people, it's directed by something so small. Likewise, our tongue controls the direction of our life wherever we want to go. And a little bit of a word or a phrase can influence the total direction of your life. There's power in words. There's power in what we say, both negatively and positively. We can change the tone of a room through what we say. We could change the tone, the environment, the atmosphere of a relationship between two people based on what we say. We could say, I love you. I just wanted you to know, I can't stop thinking about you. I just wanted you to know I'm thinking about you right now. I believe in you. You're the most awesome son. You're the most amazing daughter. You mean the world to me. Wow, you look so good. I just, I don't know if you ever looked so good before. Wow. <whistles> can change the tone of a relationship. It can reset the direction of a life and it changes the atmosphere in the environments of our lives it's powerful now verse four he uses another illustration he says "Or take ships as an example although they are so large and are driven by strong winds they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go now some of you have been on big cruises and it's fascinating to me that these huge ships are directed by the small rudder I always wanted to go on a cruise Man, I always did. But then I followed Tim Hawkins, you know, the comedian on Twitter. And he went on a cruise. And and he said the only thing he could liken it to was being at a golden corral inside a pinball machine. And that kind of ruined it for me. So it's not really on my list anymore. But if you're on a cruise, you can wish and hope and pray all day long that this ship is going to go to the islands or it's going to go to Alaska. But the reality is it's just going to go exactly where that rudder tells it to go. And the same thing is true in our life, is I can wish and hope and even pray that my life is going to end up in a certain way, a certain direction. But how I talk about it is what impacts it. Now, I'm not saying that this is name it and claim it theology, that you know, well, I really don't like my life without a boat, so I'm just going to start talking about a boat all the time, and then I'm going to get a boat and I like my life better. No, no, no. I'm saying that how you talk about your life directly impacts the direction of your life. So if your marriage is struggling and you decide to complain to your friends about your spouse, you can tell where the direction of your marriage is going. If your kid is struggling with something, and you raise your voice about it, and you put them down, you can tell with your, where your relationship with your kid is headed. I mean, you could just look at any of your life. How do you talk about it? Reveals how you think about it, your perspective, and it changes the direction of where it goes. Now, I heard uh, you know, many people think if, if the tongue is so influential, maybe it's just better to say nothing at all. So I heard about this guy who he joined a monastery. And for three years, he was given a probation period where he was not to speak at all. But at the end of each year, he could say two words. So at the end of the first year, he comes back and he hasn't talked at all, but he says his two words. He says, bed hard. And then at the end of the second year, he comes back and he says, food Cold the end of the 3rd year he comes back and he's just so fed up he's had it he says he says his two words he says I quit. And the head priest says that doesn't surprise me all you've done is complain ever since you got here. <laughs> Number 2. My tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue can destroy what I have. Verse 5 consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Last year, Lauren and I visited a friend in Alaska, and while we were there, there was a forest fire just north of where we were. And some roads that we needed to drive on were closed because the the fire was going through that part and even crossing over the highway. But after a couple of days, they opened the roads back up, and, and we drove through, and you could see the devastation, and you could see animals wandering around, and you could see the trees just totally bare, what took years to grow and bloom and blossom was annihilated in one day. Annihilated by some careless campers, a loose spark, camping on the edge of the forest near the ocean. And it, they said it would take years to grow back. And James says, Our tongues can destroy like that. You could spend years. Building a career, building a reputation, building a relationship or a friendship, and one word like a fire, like a spark that starts here, and 200 miles later, it's over here. I could say one word today, one phrase, one thing, one statement, and two years later still be reminded of it, still be haunted by it, still that statement is causing destruction. He says, that's possible And today, because of technology, we can say a comment and it can go around the world. And not only today do we have to control our tongue, but we've got to control our thumb tongue. You know what I'm saying? The texting tongue, the comment tongue, the email tongue, the suggestion box or comment card tongue, where we just, we give a little jab. And if we're not careful, we can start a fire of pain in someone else's life. It's fascinating how when we write something down or when we type it out digitally, we dehumanize it. So we'll type things or say things that, come on, we would never say that into someone's eyes in a conversation. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, we'd be foolish to put it that way anywhere else. I mean, you read a YouTube comment. I mean, if they said that to someone's face, I mean, come on, someone's getting beat up or something. But we'll type it, we'll write it so freely. And we can't forget that what we write, what we type, is going to be read by a human being who has a soul with insecurities. Let's not allow our words to be loose sparks. You see, fire and words, fire and words under control are amazing. And they can give light and warmth. But fire and words out of control can be devastating. James goes on about this fire in verse 6. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. He's saying that words, they have a, they have a chain reaction. It's bigger than we ever even dream. He says so some person, one person can start a conversation elevated and, and heated, and then this other person responds and they take it to another level, and this person takes it to another level and it's out of control. And, and people are saying things that they never planned on saying that day. They didn't wake up thinking, I'm gonna say this today. It has a chain reaction. James uses another illustration, including animals, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And he's being kind of funny here. It's amazing. You can go to SeaWorld and you can see a whale do all kinds of tricks for a hamburger or whatever it is that they give the whales And you can see dolphins do all these amazing tricks, put on clown shoes, you know, suck spaghetti. And I've never been to SeaWorld, obviously, but (laughs) things I imagine go on there. And uh, you could tame all these sea creatures. You could have an animal guy come on late night TV and they're going to bring out a leopard, an animal that could kill you in your sleep and drag you up a tree and you wouldn't ever even know it. And they're petting the leopard and it's tame. But we can't tame the tongue. Humanly speaking, he says it's impossible. It's liable to break out at any moment. He calls it a poison. The word in Greek is snake venom. Just a few drops could kill you. And you could could assassinate someone with your words. I mean, you could kill them on the inside. You could destroy a career. You could destroy a reputation, assassinate a character, With the deadly weapon of the tongue. Number three. Displays who I am. It reveals my character. It displays what's really inside of me. It displays our inconsistencies. Verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And so we speak lovingly in one breath. And then we lash out in the next. One minute, you're working on a sermon called Taming the Tongue. And the next minute, you're pitching a fit while trying to change your house's water filter. It's just the two extremes. The tongue, it's a strange contradiction. It's so inconsistent. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And cursing here doesn't necessarily mean profanity. There's a difference between cursing and cussing, And, and you can curse without cussing, and we do it all the time. We curse people, we put them down, we say, you're lazy, I can't stand you anymore, you make me sick, I don't even like you anymore, I never want to see you again, don't ever call me again, and in those statements, I never used profanity, but they're horrible, They're horrible things to say. You can curse without cussing. You can gossip without cussing. And so often we curse our lives. We curse our circumstances without ever saying a bad word. We'll say, well, we'll just never get along. We'll always be this way. You'll never understand. They'll never understand. We'll just never get it. We'll never get it together. We'll always have a car payment. We'll just always be this way. There's no way I could ever do that. There's no way I could ever conquer this. There's no way that the Royals could win the division this year. Now watch your mouth, okay? (laughs) So often in the church, we're so convicted and we feel so badly about the bad words, about the profanity that we sometimes use. And we don't need to use it, but... Maybe the real issue, maybe the root issue is the negative, degrading, debilitating curses we say so freely. And James gets to the answer. He gives us the answer. It's it's in verses 11 and 12. He says, You got to consider the source. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? or a grapevine bear figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's saying whatever's in the source is coming out. Whatever's in the well is, is coming up in the bucket. I, I brought with me today, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these before, but it's a life straw. You've seen a life straw? These things are pretty amazing. You can, you can drink directly out of any container or any stream, pretty much any source, because it filters up to 1,000 liters of contaminated water into safe, clean drinking water. So there you see a guy, and he's probably out camping or backpacking, and he sticks the straw into a green, murky, bacteria-filled river or pond, and it's clean, safe drinking water. And you can You can filter for quite a while with this thing. But eventually, after about a thousand liters, it it can't do it anymore. It can't filter any longer. And the same is true with us. We could could filter, put a filter on our mouth, and we could clean up what we say for a while and clean up our language for a while, and we can make ourselves sound smart and, and wise and pure. And we can do things like, Remove ourselves from environments that, you know, pollute the way we talk. And, and, and we should do that. And we could do things like, you know, monitor what media intake we have and, and our media influences. And we should do that. And, and we could learn to pause before we talk. And we, we should do that. And we could learn to think before we speak. We should definitely do that. And we could use all these filters and all these tools. But eventually that filter is going to break Down And what's in the source is going to come up into my mouth. And what's in the bucket is going to be what's drawn from the well. You see, my problem is not really my tongue. My problem is my well. My problem is the heart. Because what's inside will come out. And I could fool you for a while... And I could fool myself for a while, but eventually my tongue will display who I really am and what's really inside of me. Jesus had a lot to say about this. Matthew twelve thirty four we we find this statement. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. He says, you've got this well, and, and it's going to overflow, and it's going to come out your mouth, and what's on the inside is going to come out, and, and it'll direct where you go, and, and it really could, it could destroy what you have, but most of all, it, it's going to display who you really are, and it reveals my character. Jesus would say this in Matthew 15, verse 18, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So if I have a problem with my tongue, it's a much bigger problem than I thought. I've got a heart problem. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person with a nagging tongue has a controlling heart. A person who is critical and negative all the time has a bitter heart. On the other hand, a person who is encouraging has a happy heart. A person who speaks gently has a loving heart. A person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart. And a person who builds others up has at their heart, in their core, a desire to want to see people win. And see people succeed. And see people realize their full potential. So if the real problem with my tongue, the real problem with the things that I say is my heart, then what's the solution? How do you tame the tongue? Well, you gotta let God renew the heart. Painting outside the pump is not going to make any difference if there's poison in the well. And I can change the outside. I could turn over a new leaf. What I really need is a new life. What I need is to be born again and to continually come back to the place in my life where I say, I am nothing and can do no good and can do nothing right apart from the grace of God. Apart from the grace of Jesus Christ. We need to pray like King David prayed. After he broke two of the Ten Commandments, adultery and murder, King David in the Old Testament, we find it in Second Samuel chapters 11 and 12, we get the account of David committing adultery with a woman having, and having her husband killed. He, he saw a woman, he got her pregnant, and then put her husband on the front lines of battle so he would be killed. And after David did this, he did nothing. And the people who knew about it did nothing. Because the reality was, what David did was really not that unusual for a king in that time. It really wasn't all that unusual if if he would have been king of Egypt or Moab or another pagan country in the world. But it was not fit for a man of God. So a guy named Nathan, a prophet, meets with him and he calls David out. And he uncovers David's sin. And and David had three options. His sin's been uncovered. He's shown in the light. He could have denied it. Or he could have pointed a scepter at the guy and his guards take him out and execute him. That would have shut people up. Probably never would have heard about it again. Or he could confess. And that's what he did. And in Psalm 51, we find the prayer, David prays after he is found out. And in verse 10, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He gets to the source of the problem. He doesn't say, God, filter my heart. He says, God, give me a pure heart. He doesn't say, God, help me to never do that again. No, he says, God, we got to go to the source. Put, Put loyalty in my heart. Give me a pure heart. Make me steadfast. Make me faithful. And he goes to the source of the problem, and he asks God to solve the source of the issue. E- each week before my small group, I love my small group, but, and every week it's the same thing. But I'm, I'm running around like crazy, you know, picking up the house, and, and I vacuum, and I do the dishes, and I want to clean up and make them comfortable, and And I light a candle every week before a small group, so it'll smell a little bit better. But sometimes my trash stinks. And when I just light the candle, I just get this kind of vanilla garbage smell that's not really good. And so I have to take out the trash if I want that candle to do any good. And too often, I want to light the candle of God in my life. And not take care of the real problem. And we want to manage our mouth, but we don't really want God. We want to be better parents, but we don't want God. We want to better manage our money, but we don't want to do it God's ways. We, we want a better marriage, but we don't want God's way. We want all the benefits of our ways with lighting a candle of, of God. But the only way to get control of your tongue is to let Jesus Christ have control of your heart, and to let him direct your life. To come to a place where you say, if God tells me to do it, I'm doing it. And if God corrects me, I'll take it. And if God wants me to do it that way, I'm just going to do it that way. Because he has the reins. He has the rudder. I've given him the direction of my life. See, after living in James 3 for a week, I think think that this is one of the most powerful salvation passages when he talks about the well and the source and the heart and the mouth. Because the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The resurrection is the heart of the gospel. He was delivered for our offenses, He was raised for our justification. And we need to bring into agreement what we say and what we believe. The mouth and the heart will be in harmony if, in your heart, in your total being, in your total personality, you believe that. Jesus is alive and he's sovereign and he has a direction for my life and it's for good and it's for his glory. Jesus said it's easy to just talk. It's easy. He said many will do it. Many many are going to profess with their mouths but their hearts are far from me. James says faith without works is dead. So I have Faith, and I believe in my heart. And then I put my mouth to work and profess that because I believe, everything between me and God is set right. Everything is right between him and me. And I depend on that truth every single day. James is saying that the only way to get control of your tongue is to let Jesus Christ have control of your heart. And this is This is why one of the rally cries of Rockbrook Church is pray first. Pray first. We start our year with prayer. We say, hey, before before you go into that meeting, pray first. Before you walk into the house, pray first. Before you click send, pray first. And just say to God, God, renew my heart. Help me to see this from your perspective Help me to think about this the way you think about it. In Jesus' name, amen. And pray first. And God can do it. God can renew the heart. Listen, folks, God can fix an anger problem. He can do it. God can fix a fear problem. He can fix an insecurity, and impurity. God can fix a control problem, a bitterness problem. We could bring up person after person after person on this stage and, it and tell them to tell you how God made a way where there was no way. And there were things in their life and things about their life they thought would never change. And God made a way. And they could tell you, I, I never thought I would feel forgiven But I believe in my heart and I stand here today, everything right between me and God. And maybe you walk in today like David or you've done something worse than David. But let me tell you, if God can forgive and heal David and use David, he can forgive and heal and use you. Because God is a God who makes all things new. And he would love to do it in your life. We're going to continue on in James chapter three next week as James deals with the solution to this heart problem. But let's stop here today and let's go to prayer about our tongue, about our mouth, about the way that we talk. Let's pray together. God, all of us struggle in many ways. And many of us need to ask for forgiveness. Many of us need to apologize to our kids. Many of us need to apologize to our parents. Many of us need to apologize to a spouse or friends or coworkers. But every one of us needed to hear this message today. This is a universal problem. Church, I'm going to pray a prayer here and, and I invite you in your mind, in your heart, To just say, Me too, God, me too. I want that. God, I need a purified heart. Come into my life, take control of my life. As I think about the way I talk and the direction it's leading me, what it's doing to my life, and the heart that it reveals, it is humbling. And I can't fix this on my own. I need your help. I've been negative. Help me not to be fearful. I've been harsh. Help me not to be angry. I've been nagging. Help me not to be controlling. I've been critical. God, help me not to be bitter. God, I ask you to begin renewing my heart into something strong, into something caring and helpful. God, take control of the rudder of my life and guide me in the direction that you wish. God, help me to use my words to bless my wife, to bless my children, to bless the people I work with, to bless my friends, and yes, even to bless my enemies. Help my tongue give light and warmth rather than destruction. It's through Jesus' life-changing name we pray. Amen.